This and more, is and the, you are hot. Is the gain hot, or is that just me? I don't know. Could be both. You're fucking really hot in my ear holes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're coming at you. Here we go again. Here we go again. Back for another exciting adventure in recovery. I can't believe we're doing this. You know, uh, we took off exactly like the amount of time our wives were out of work is like, it, is for the summer. Like we did our last show the week before school ended, and then there is, did your wife go back? She's she's threatening to go back today because, uh-huh. you know, she's a librarian, but apparently there's a lot of setup that's involved. Well, they get books in. Yeah. There are books that need to be banned. They have to that's go right. through all that shit. And uh, yeah, <clears throat> it's um, yeah, like, they are banning books. And um, I was shocked to hear this that there was a there's an upswell of um, book banning going on. Yeah, all over the country. Yeah, can you hear the dogs? I bet the fucking audience can. I mean, I hear them in the distance, you know, locked up. Like dogs in the mist. Like caged animals. Like us, caged animals down here in my stinky basement. All All right, right. should we begin? We're going to begin. Begin. And we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X. I'm Mike R. And boy, do we have a show for you. That's all I can do with that. Today on RMA, Mothers Lock Up Your Daughters, The Boys Are Back, for an all-new season of RMA. It's season four, and literally anything can and will happen. Today, we catch up on the summer and talk recovery, addiction, and the movie Painkiller on Netflix, and catch up on all the monster related news all this <laughs> and more today on a very very special edition of rma season four motherfuckers yes, yes. season four yes thank you very much <laughs> i can't remember how we used to do this i don't either i don't know well i got a new stick of deodorant today really yeah does it have uh, aluminum in it well the instruction said to remove the cap and push up bottom I mean, I can barely walk, but when I fart, it smells like roses. I'm <laughs> uh, just starting strong this time. Strong, yeah. I don't know. After I gave that 200 bucks to a dominatrix, I was strapped for cash. <sighs> Listeners are running away screaming. Yeah. Um, How's the family? Because, you know, I'll never forget my grandfather's last words before he died. What was that? Stop shaking the ladder, you little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. can't. Does this even work any yeah, fucking it's, more? It's working. It's working. I can't even fucking hear it. It's uh, working. You would think like we had all this time that we would have been <laughs> a little better prepared. You know, um, I'm very, very excited to be back. I have to say this whole summer, every week that went by, I was just thinking about the show. I was thinking about the show. I was watching no, the posts. I, I'm telling you. <laughs> This whole, I'm wor- but it's an anxiety. It's an anxiety. And um, someone said recently, can't remember who or where, that anxiety is a future. Fi- was this you that said anxiety is uh, a fear of the future, things to come? Depression is thinking about things in the past. So it's like a backward looking fear. Wow, man. Yeah. So I, I, I have both. 
<laughs> I'm doing both at once. I saw that on the, uh, the internet. It must have been a meme or something going around. But so, uh, it's one of those things. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm very low in the anxiety yeah? department right well, now. I, I'm trying to be right now doing the show. I have to say, I feel no pain, no depression or anxiety. N- no, you're maybe you know what anxiety. I always have. I always have a healthy you, level of anxiety. Your baseline anxiety would be me in the middle of a panic attack. I think so because. I was explaining to someone the other day, they're like, wow, you're so anxious. You know, dare they say neurotic, but really. (laughs) Dare they say. (laughs) But really, my my theory is that this is evolutionary. And so I try to embrace my my anxiety. So for me, if if I feel anxious about something, it means it's important and I have to do it right now. Okay. So what do you feel like we have to do right now? Right now, we have to uh, talk about... We've had a lot of uh, monster soberversaries uh, yes. that I wanted to acknowledge. Um, you, a lot of big ones. Okay. Go ahead. Some you know of. Some you maybe will read about on Melissa's magic Google Doc. Okay. Um, but the most uh, recent that I heard about is your That's four right. year fucking, you did it. Yes. And the, <laughs> Could you guys hear the dogs going nuts? <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, four years today. Can, I had my last drink four years today in a little cabin in upstate New York yeah. in the town of Woodstock. Boy, that sounds romantic, but really it was painful, right? The hangover was terrible. I, yeah. I was looking at pictures of myself yesterday with that hangover, and I was hiking, and I, I remember how bad I felt during that hike. And, you know, you look back on photos when you were in the middle of all the drinking and partying, and, you you know, you'd never really know by looking at, at a person, like what's going on internally inside their head? Because everything looks perfectly normal, but inside I was like crying. Don't you think when I was in those states, though, I imagined everybody knew what was going on, but sure. they really don't. I mean, everybody thinks yeah. everyone's looking at you, but there you are. You're suffering. You're having a hangover. Right. You're regretting. Right. People, you're having anxiety, maybe. You're having depression, maybe. Regrets. Yes. Then what? Then uh, I decided, okay, I'm going to, I need to take a little break from the alcohol. Mm. And I, at that point, it was such an inchoate uh, thing. Like I had no idea that I was going to stop long-term. I just said I needed a break, right? Interesting, yeah. And um, my typical MO in these things is I'll take like a week off, you know, or a couple weeks. Or like in the 90s, I took like three years off, right? Mm. Um, but always go back. I would always go back. And mm. it wouldn't be that long, you know, because like if the stress would come up, things would, you know, and, and I thought alcohol was helping me with the stress. And of course it wasn't. It doesn't. It's, it does it's, it's a lie. I mean, if you come home at night and you drink a couple of drinks to relax, you're not relaxed. No. You're relaxed for 10 minutes. You're relaxed for 20 minutes and then you become, or at least I became cranky, irritable, all that other stuff. Discontent. But discontent. Ted. Discontent. Ted. Is it discontent or discontented? I was discontented, did. Uh, I didn't feel good. But anyway, so for whatever reason, this time I decided to make more of an effort. I started listening to the podcast. I started reading the books, mm. the Annie Grace book. I briefly entertained the notion of, of going back to AA and dismissed it. Mm. Um, and I'm glad I did because that, that never proved to work for me. It may work for you. I don't know. Like it other people. It works for a lot of people. Know, just not for me. Mm. Um, and it, I just kept going. Like, it, so I really kind of had to have a day at a time mindset. Like, but when you were about to relapse, you got an email from, oh no, you were scrolling through Facebook and you saw. Well, I don't like the term relapse, number one. So To lapse I, again. To, to, I was thinking like, um, 
maybe I should just call this whole thing off uh, and and resume because life was starting to get re, you know it's getting hard. All yeah. of a sudden, I had to, I was starting to project into the future. I was like, oh, I have all this work, these work events I have to go to, and everyone's going to be drinking. And, wah, wah, poor me, wah, I'm going to be miserable. Um, and yes, and then I saw on Facebook you had liked something on the recovery elevator page. So I saved the day. Yeah, yes. it was you. It was I you. Knew it. I said, "Well, shit. If there's somebody else in this town, in this one horse town, that I can reach out to, I needed a sober buddy. Is what I needed. Uh huh. Yeah. Not an ad for sober buddy. No, that doesn't no, exist not. anymore, does it? Sober buddy's still around. It is. But I was going to be your sober buddy, right? Yes, you're talking about sober. And then I saw something. you somewhere. I don't know. Where- well, we would always run into each other at these. Um, it was like a Cub Scout pick up your um, shit for the car thing oh yeah um it was those we were in cub scout uh our kids were in cub scouts mostly i hung out with your wife because she was running the the group for a bit you hung out with my wife yeah it didn't come out right but <laughs> mostly you she, hung out with my wife i knew her better than I you but you know my wife better than i know my not, wife not in the biblical sense really what come on. I you said, had not, sex with my wife i said not, not i don't have to rethink the sober buddy shit <laughs> not they did not I'm not even going to say you did not have sex with that woman? Stop it. <laughs> not a single time. Not a single time. Not a single time. Not a single okay. time. And we, a couple of times, we would run into each other. And uh, every, I have to say, and I've said this before, every time I would start to talk to you, I would, I would pull off my, you know, there's a usual shit that I do. Not my <laughs> pants. Jesus, settle down. So I would have the regular shtick I would do with other parents. Just, hey, how are you? You know, <laughs> okay. just regular shtick, you know, right. just to be friendly and, uh-huh. and to, you know, say hello. And every time I would do that with you, because sometimes I would prod with, I'd say something I thought was funny that I didn't think you would know was funny or something. Okay. And you would immediately come back with something funnier or more interesting. Really? And then I would start, you know, and then I would go like playing tennis. And more than once, I would sit there having these uh, exchanges with you, and I'd be like, "Man, this this is this guy is cool. Like, I, I gotta like hang out with this guy." And we used to run into each other, yeah. And I would keep testing it, I'd be like, "All right, I'm gonna throw this reference at him." And you got all the references, mm. and it made me realize, Woody repartee. This guy knows me in a way he hasn't figured out yet. Right. Well, <laughs> our wives did push us together yes. to go to the show, the Yes concert. We did that, you know. Right. So we had these interactions, yeah. the famous Yes show where. We were sort of set up on a play date. Right. You know, it was pretty emasculating, but we had fun. It's okay. Yeah. I got, got drunk. And, <laughs> and then you realized this guy also might be an alcoholic. I'll tell you exactly why. It was two things. Um, even before the, uh, the thing that I found on Facebook where you'd liked one of Churchill, Paul Churchill's uh, posts or Recovery Elevator, mm. I remember you made a comment. We were... It was at Cub Scouts or it was a something. And you said something along the lines of, um, I really wish people would, they would open more things in this town for people to do that don't involve alcohol. Right. And I thought that's very interesting thing yeah, for why? somebody to say. Why would someone yeah. say that? Uh, and, and so that's when I started figuring there like, might have been some mm-hmm. there there, you know. And, and I'm sure we've told the story on the show, like back in the early days, we're just too, you know, our brains are fucking Swiss cheese at this point. We don't remember anything. But, um, but yes, I, that's when I came up to you. It was in late 2019, or mm. it might have been early 2020 at the, the beginning of the pandemic, and said something like, 
Hey, I saw you. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, <clears throat> he, he made some comment. Yeah, like, so uh, you like Recovery in the Middle Ages? I mean, <laughs> shit. You like, what is the other one? Recovery Elevator. Recovery Elevator. Okay. And uh, I was like, uh, yeah, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just, like feeling it out. I'm like, is he going to find me out? Like, here we go. But I'm like, then, you know, if he's asking me, the only people who know that stupid show. Right. Who else would be who on the recovery elevator site? Yeah. And then I just went for it. And yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm a degenerate alcoholic. Yeah. And I came into your store and we had that discussion. Now I remember. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then we were, that same day, we were like, hey, let's start a podcast. Well, we, once we started, <laughs> Bizarre, right? once we were out of the closet, so to speak, yeah. we, we began discussing stuff in recovery, like things that I was thinking. And then. The conversations were getting good, and I was just like, and I just started getting into Dopey and other podcasts, uh-huh. and so my brain was turning, you know, and I said something like, hey, we should put this on a podcast. This is pretty funny, or this is good. These are good discussions, and then uh, and then you, you said, oh, yeah, podcasts. I, I am good at that. I have my own podcast oh, already. Oh, right. I did. And I was like, oh, he's already got a podcast, you know, and then you sent it to me, and I fully expected it to be horrible. And I fully expected it thanks, to be gee, like, thanks. well, I just assume everybody sucks at like recording just because a lot of stuff I hear on podcasts are yeah, just awful, yeah. especially back then. It, it's much better these days. But then I heard it and I go, huh, this sounds pretty good. I think I, this sounds really good. I'm like, he knows what he's doing. Um, didn't listen to the show much, like too closely, but <clears throat> I think that's I, okay. That was your uh, <laughs> the Oyster uh, Bay one. No, you. Oh, had, I sent you the demo. Yes. Yeah. Actually, so that one I did listen to the Oyster Bay one, not not so much, but I was like very impressed, and I said, "Man, if we can do it and make it sound like that, we got to try this." Right. And um, and we did it, and we, we made it sound like that, and here we here are. Here we are. Yeah, season yeah. four. Season four. So, so here we are. So do you remember like right before we ended? Oh, um, so my message to you folks out there who are still struggling is mm. I don't know why it stuck for me this time, but it's stuck. And the only reason it stuck is because I kept trying. So don't give up. Eventually the door will open and you will walk through it. And um, you're not the only one who, I mean, I've heard this before. In fact, I was just listening to an interview on Dopey, just as something, something, just a read or something. But she said that exact same thing. Really? Um, I didn't even listen to it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, she's interesting. She's that's an interesting show. If you guys want to listen to something what, interesting, dopey? yeah, yeah. I think people know about dopey. You guys know dopey. Well, that particular interview <laughs> oh. was she was really weird. But um, she said the exact same thing. It was like, when did you decide to stop drinking? And it was the same kind of thing. It was like, you know what? I'm going to try it for a week. And she had no idea. That that was going to be the last time. So, you know, maybe uh, play games with yourself. I did the same thing. I said to myself. Play with yourself. Play with yourself. I said, I'm just going to do it for a week. And then the longer it got, I just, um, and it worked out. So here we are. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so we have some other people, in addition to me, who have achieved notable distinctions. Yes, right? and the Inner Sanctum and, and the Monsterverse alike, we've been getting... Tons and over the summer, I was like, "Oh, we got to remember this because so many monsters out there had very, very important sobriversaries, and uh, we're here to acknowledge them." Okay, your good work. <laughs> I think it was the yeah, yeah. I'm trying to. I've forgotten everything. I'm just so old. Well, all right, go ahead. Today we'd like <laughs> to recognize and uh, and hold up. In high esteem, the following monsters who have celebrated soberversaries for July and August. David Kay with 82 months. 
Jeff M. Little over four months and counting. Yay. Russell H. with three months. Yeah, we got a voicemail from Russell. Fuck yes. Yeah, yeah he said, thank you, Russ. Uh, Brendan S., six years. Wow, that's a good one. Nice, nice. That's and a then good six. The famous Rob S. with 21 months. Wow, awesome. Um, Hulk Hogan has seven months. Really? That's oh, yeah, he does. Okay. Yeah, it came out the other day. And finally... The soberversary is not finally, I'm sorry, that should have been read in June that we forgot. Thank you, Melissa, for putting this together. Uh, Mark N. and wife Renee have five years. Yeah, man. Couples Fuck in yeah. recovery, bitches. <laughs> jo- Joanna T. with nine and a half years. Wow. That's a long ass time. That is a long time. Not quite 10, though, so, you know. <laughs> Actually, by the time we, yeah, it's probably 10 now. Oscar Hopefully. L. with 90 days. Yeah, Oscar. Jill Go. S. Jill S. Jill S, Jill S, Jill S with nine months. All right. But one very important soberversary that I neglected to read just now deliberately so I could put it at the end. Yeah. G Money Smooth. Grant Boykin, the editor at large of the RMA Newsroom, uh, Inner Sanctum regular and good friend of the show. He's got three years wow that's incredible Um, and congratulations grant you know we've been uh along with you on this ride that we've been taking together and it's just really great to see um you doing good and uh, round of applause to all of our contestants (laughs) thank you round of applause thank you for being sober (laughs) congratulations guys it's amazing it feels great i hope you all feel great whether you got one day or a hundred years and um We've got a Munster also, uh, Queen Liz of Munster Haven, that's been um, dealing with some health issues uh, as of recently. And we'd just like to extend all of our, our best wishes and please send prayers and get good well vibes. soon. Get well, Liz. Uh, the heart and soul of the, uh, the inner sanctum, Queen Liz of Munster Haven, we're thinking about you and, um, you know, hang in there. Hang in there. You've been through worse with less. That's what I always say. I've been through worse with less. Huh. We all have. All right. So we can get through this. Yes. Okay. What's next? Should we, we have a show? You want to do uh, listener voicemails? Do you want to get caught up on what we did this summer? How, how do you want to structure this I th- unstructured <laughs> disaster of I a show? Th- well, I think a, a good way to proceed. We just spoke about the Monsters. Let's now hear from the Monsters. M- Monsters. <laughs> it's transition. Um. Russell left a couple of messages, but I think we're just going to do... Yeah, we do have a, um, a phone number, guys, that you can call. Yeah. Um, and basically, you just call this number. Do you want to know what the number is? I'm trying to look for it. I got it. I oh, got you it. have it? Uh, you just call the number. Nobody picks up the phone. Don't worry. Don't be nervous. Uh, you get three minutes. And just say whatever. Uh, I broke it. I broke Google Voice. You can just say whatever, and we would be happy to play it on the show. <laughs> It's 516-888-6297. That's the Munster RMA hotline. Yes. Yeah, nobody will pick up the phone, I assure you. I promise. It it might ring, but we will not pick it up. Someone from Google, most likely a robot, will listen to you. All right, so let's listen to Russell H. from Pittsburgh. Russell H.? Mike and this is Russell H. from shitty Pittsburgh a.k.a. Scheitzberg. Hope you guys are having a great summer. Can't wait to get, get you guys back on. 
So we get some good recovery messages. I've been doing the smart recovery and I find it so much better than AA, NA. Uh, I'm also went to a couple of Dharma meetings, which was an amazing experience, very spiritual. So good suggestions for others to maybe try some other avenues. Thanks, guys. Hope you're all well. Enjoy the summer. Thanks, Thanks. Russell. Thanks, Russell. Uh, it's funny because you know how uh, Google Voice will do a, um, what do you call it, translation? Oh, Not yeah. Not a translation, uh, uh, but dictation? a transcription. Transcription, yeah. So I'm reading it, and it bears very little resemblance to what's actually being said because according to this, it says, it's so much better than anal. What? I've, <laughs> I mean, he's right, but so, come on. <laughs> I've been doing the smart recovery, and I find it so much better than anal. <laughs> That's a great marketing slogan. <laughs> Anyway, if I'm looking at that, I'm like, wow, is he going to say that? Can you imagine how many more people would join Smart Recovery if if that was their marketing (laughs) slogan? Smart Recovery, so so much much better better than than anal. Um, And he also mentions Dharma Recovery meetings, which are interesting. I have yet to go to one. Um, You know anybody that's gone to them besides some of the folks we've already talked to? um, Do you remember, um, I think it was Jameson Jed came on the show to talk about his Dharma meetings. yeah. Um, I feel like I either read the book about how, you know, the we book. We did. We re- reviewed it on the show. Okay, so that's, that's how I know what Dharma recovery is. It's a very... Uh, it's a Buddhist thing. I love it. Buddhist-centric. Buddha, Buddha, Buddhism is... I love Buddhism. Anytime I take a minute to read about it or hear about it, I'm always attracted to it. Some of my best friends are Buddhists. Yeah. And I just would like to say, Russell, thank you so much for calling, but this is not a competition on which, uh, you know, recovery thing works better. Um, but, you know, we appreciate it. You know, NA and AA are old stalwarts and lots of people rely on them. But, I mean, I agree that I found a lot more freedom in intellect and uh, smart recovery in the, in the way we're doing it just sort of speaks to me. So yeah. hang in there. Hang in there. And uh, I got more. Keep it up. There's another one. I got a, I got a, uh, okay. This it, is David, an American David in London. Oh, cool. <laughs> an American David. In <laughs> I London. like that one. Uh there may be some audio issues on this one, so let's let's see how how it goes. Because mm. I listened to this yesterday, and I was like, uh, "All right, well, let's give it to the monsters. Let's give it to them." Hello, Mike and Nat. It's David, American Day, American Day in London, AK. I uh, <laughs> wanted to thank you for your big up for my eighty months, which is quite cool, obviously. Nice. So I can give you the sixty second version, but we can have a chat anytime um, that you want. Uh, you have my number now. The situation is, um, yeah, well, quick story. I guess, yeah, let's put it that way. Um, it's like a remix. I was born in Florida, adopted, uh, moved to Long Island when I was seven days old, which what I believe to be my parent, obviously. Uh, grew up in Belmore, uh, been through it all, high school. Uh, Here's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to read the transcription. Okay. I'm okay. very sorry, David, but um, yeah, I think we're... All right. Um... The transcription will be talking a lot about anal. Here's the problem with the transcription. Um, Thank you for your big up for my 80 months, which is quite cool, obviously, so I can give you the 60-second version, but we can have a chat anytime you want. You have my number. Now the situation is, yeah. Well, quick story, Florida. Caught up for me in London, and then I continuously drink up until eight months ago. I... (laughs) I have since I've been here, but I would love to chat to you guys and I love being here anymore. So we're going to keep this anonymous because you can message me on Instagram and yeah. So the transcription is also shit. So listen, David, congrats again. (laughs) 
about 80 months. Call back. Leave another message. Um, yeah, I want to hear apologies. from you. Apologies, yeah. Or I'll do you one better. We should be bringing back the Meet the Monsters segment. Yes. And um, I'd like to formally, well, we're going to do the one that we had to cancel because of my freak out. Um, the last show we were going to have. Um, you had a freak out? Well, not a freak out, but I just was like, I can't do it. I'm not ready. Oh, right. And uh, I guess it wasn't really a freak out. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So let's let's hear the whole story. Um, you know, so we'll uh, we'll set that up and it'll be cool to hear it. So thanks for calling in. Didn't we have a Rhino message? Oh, yeah, we got a Melissa message. A Melissa. Hey, y'all. This is Melissa K, a.k.a. Den Mom, as Nat has so endearingly titled <laughs> yes, me. I'm calling in based on the request in the last show to save the Google hotline. So save I'm going to use my time just to counter some of Mike's dad jokes because I got some mom jokes. Why is the computer so smart? Why? Because it listens to its motherboard. Uh, <laughs> what three words solve dad's every problem? Mm. Ask your mother. <laughs> what did mommy spider say to baby spider? What? You spend too much time on the web. I like and that this one. one's for Mike. Roses are red, violets are blue. My mom jokes are funnier than you. <laughs> so to all the moms and Mr. Moms out there, remember, good moms let their kids lick the beaters. Great moms turn them off first. XOXO, <laughs> peace out. Love you, monsters. All right. Oh, thank you, Melissa. Yes, the den mother of oh, RMA. That's wonderful content. Thank you. Oh, God, that was good. I uh, love the accent. I think that know, was the first time yes, I heard her speak. The, the funny thing is, like, I was just going to say, you have this this idea when you read people's writing, what their voice sounds like. And then when you actually hear them, it's yeah. like, holy shit. Love it. She's from the South. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Thank you, Melissa. And thank you for uh, all your help. You know, we should have put you on the spot a couple times. Like, could you put that together for me? So thank you, uh, Melissa. That was cool. Uh, I got another one. Another one. We just do this all day. It's like people finally actually all called the as minute, soon as we went on vacation. And it's not just to complain, which I love. Like, where the fuck are you? <laughs> no, they, those come by email. Yeah. yeah, we did get a couple. Hey, guys. Uh, y'all told us to call, so I'm doing my duty and calling. So they don't shut down your number. Uh, my name's Andrew, alcoholic here. Uh, we got clean January 27th, 2017. Um, I was a chef for many, many, many years, about 20-ish years or so, and I got out recently, two years ago, after COVID, and now I'm in grad school going for my master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. Yeah. Um, currently, I'm actually a CPSW, which is a state of New Mexico, a certified peer support worker. My job is to provide resources to addicts and alcoholics to help them further their recovery. Um. I think that my greatest resource that I can actually offer people is the community. Um, but you guys are great. I love listening to your show. Thank you guys for everything that you do. Um, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I, I'm 39, so I haven't reached my 40s yet. But I'll be 40 this year. So hey, 35, uh, when I it? saw recovery in the middle ages, I was like, well, let's give it a try. Close enough. Middle age now. That was kind of hard to accept. But now that I've accepted it, I'm like, all right, let's do this. But, you guys give me hope. Um, you know, I'm all sorry about your kids. I don't have kids yet. Um, me and my partner, that is something that we are currently discussing. But your stories are kind of like a guideline for me. If they're 
guys are mapping out what I can expect from an addict's perspective, and I fucking love it, man. You guys excite me. I look forward to listening to your show every day. So keep up the good work. I love all of the resources you guys provide. Um, everything about you guys is amazing. So thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Much love. Oop. That guy's Thanks, getting man. choked up a little bit. <clears throat> Wait, who is that? From Albuquerque, New Mexico. Which who is that? I that um, that's John um, Andrew. Andrew from that, that was Albuquerque. Awesome. Man, Don't be a jerky in Albuquerque. I uh, that was cool. Thank you. I bet I. I went to Albuquerque for work once, you right? You can't even spell Albuquerque. It's You don't have to. Why would you? Okay, I'm going to ask you. So I, I went there once, twice for work, actually. But one time I stayed downtown, and I was walking around, and I'd never, I've never seen so many drug addicts in my entire life just walking around the downtown, tweaking their fucking brains off. And, and I don't remember if this was while Breaking Bad was on the air or before it, but um, there's a... Um, a park near the hotel I was staying at. And I walk around the corner. There's just some guy standing in the middle of the park, barfing his guts out all over the ground. And I, I was like, wow, this place is wild, man. And, you know, I was still drinking then, but I wasn't, um, in, but it freaked me out a little bit. I was like, this is a little scary around here. Maybe it was an NA meeting. <laughs> the whole city? Yeah. <laughs> They're all outside of a church. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to run down uh, Albuquerque, Andrew. I'm sure there's nicer places than the downtown district yeah, where you know well, everybody uh, hangs out and does drugs. But. There's plenty. It, it's um, and you mentioned also Portland when you visited was kind of that scene. Yeah, um, that's unfortunate. I, Albuquerque was not as bad as Portland. Well, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> damning with faint praise, as they say. Yeah. Th- thanks for calling, though. Um, Thirty nine. I regret to inform you, you're middle aged. But what I was going to say is middle age is sort of like a state of mind. So you can identify, you know, if uh, Rhina is any example, he was, I think, 34 or something like that. He was a little younger and he identified as middle age, you see. So speaking of which, you can do it. Rhina. Dude, it's Ryan from Chicago. Ryan Johnson. Rizanti. Um, Man, it's uh, the end of July right now. And I, uh, I asked on Facebook when the next show would be, and you guys had sent me sometime in August. I, uh, and we I were not lying. The voicemail in a while, and I listened to the most recent episode. You said Ryan, please call a message. It really meant anyone because Google was going to disconnect the number, or whatever. Anyway, here's my message. Um, I'm doing okay. I'm still on MAT. Uh, still do twelve step in the mornings. I have picked up a marijuana habit along the way. I uh, don't claim, you know, full sobriety at all. I really don't. But uh, I've been in a lot darker places. You know, this is kind of like me inching towards the life I ultimately want. And there's plenty of bad days where I say, why am I smoking pot? And it's not like I'm doing it around the clock or anything. I do do it at night generally only. But it's uh, just one of those things, man. Like, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. And I, uh, and I don't deny it. Um, I am unemployed at the moment. My job of 17 years, I had to quit. It was making me super miserable. Not because drugs or alcohol or lack thereof, but just because it's a shit job. And sometimes it's move up, time to move on from a shit job. Um, but man, yeah, I just really wanted to touch base. I'm sure y'all aren't even going to be playing this at the end of August. I miss RMA, huh. RMA Nation. I got to get back there in the Discord uh, family. 
And uh, I just love you guys, man. And I miss you. And I can't wait for the show to come back. I hope everyone uh, RMA Nation is doing well. And uh, peace. Love you guys. Ah. Thanks, Ryan. That, is, is pot medically assisted treatment? He, I think How he would was, you define that? Well, it depends. It, well, for when he says MAT, oh, he's I know, talking I know, about right, I know. something else. I'm but, just tossing that idea out into the ether like... Um, maybe cannabis is medically assisted treatment. My, my official answer is if you're, if it's prescribed, maybe it qualifies. Aha. What if he has a medical marijuana card and the, and the reason he's prescribed it is to treat his substance use disorder or perhaps to treat anxiety, depression, because are we not considered still sober, even if we were on SSRIs? Yeah, sure. So maybe... Cannabis is, in, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I think we have to change the way we look at it, honestly. I mean, it, it's sort of, there's, there's a gut reaction, those of us who have lived through like the, what would you call it, the um, prohibition era of, of uh, marijuana. Yes. <laughs> and so it's really hard for someone like me to kind of instantly say, yes, of course, it's medically assisted treatment because we're, I, and I think I could speak for Mike, we're both sort of changing this around in our head mm. as the evidence sort of changes and uh, as we learn more about it. So, I mean, I'm not closed off to that, you know, being uh, considered medically assisted treatment. Like, what would make it not? If you buy it from a dealer behind a high school? Or is that when it's well, not? Well, I mean, people buy Suboxone on the street. But would you call that, med- I wouldn't call that medically assisted treatment. Like, Depends on what you're using the Suboxone for, right? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I also have like a hangover from the Prohibition era. And, you know, maybe it's because you can use cannabis both recreationally and medicinally yeah. that it separates it from other things like um, SSRIs or something. But, of course, you can also use benzos recreational or, or, or right. medicinally. But it's funny. I was in the weed store the other day. Ah, it's why this comes up because I, I need to refill my kombucha ah, um, Is that the one jug, in uh, Huntington? The one in Huntington. Okay. So I go <laughs> I go in there and I'm like, I, can I get the kombucha? And, I, you know, they fill up my growler with kombucha. And she's like, do you want it infused? And I'm like, no, 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 that's okay. I'll just take it just as it is. And she's like, it's really good for your Delta 10. Which one? Probiotics. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I love it. This was a new one. And she was very stoned. And (laughs) so I'm I'm watching her fill up the the thing. And because like kombucha is effervescent, right? Like all the bubbles go into the top of the the jar and she's got to tilt it and everything. And she's taking a really (laughs) inordinately long time, like tilting the thing just so. And like, She's like, I can't get the bubbles out. I'm like, you know what? It's full <laughs> enough, hon. Okay. Thank you. Can't Thank you. you. Really? Yes, yes, yes. It's full enough. Thanks. <laughs> I like dealing with stoners. It's like dealing with children. God you bless know. their hearts. <laughs> we love you. It was, I don't know. It was fun. It was the, fun. I like going to the weed store because and the funny thing is the people who were in there, the guy that came in before me was uh, my age. And mm. the guy that came in after me with his wife was my age. I'm like, is it only like 40 you know, 50 year olds that are smoking weed nowadays. Like where are the kids? Yeah. You're the target demographic because the kids get everything from an app or something. Oh yeah. Or maybe they, they get it delivered. They snap time it or face talk. Or they're not getting, uh, <laughs> they're not getting Delta eight and Delta 10 weirdness, right? They're I, getting like the real weed. Yeah. The kids get the good stuff. I bet. So the weed store, a couple of weed stores us. have opened, right? Yeah. There, the, there's one on Long Island that opened Farmingdale. Really? Yeah. How I hear know? that they do like, um, there's an article in the paper. They, they're doing like a quarter million dollars in business, like um, a week. Like it's, <laughs> <That's nice. laughs> and, 
long lines, you know, because mm. it's it's scarce. Yeah, you know, you, there's not too many because all of the municipalities around here have decided not to take advantage of the potential tax revenue because they it's somehow find weed to be much more dangerous than the alcohol that's available in every fucking corner store. Well, it's a dis- like what is it just a cigar store, quote unquote, where they just or is it legitimate? No, it's a like, dispensary. <clears throat> and what is involved in? Do you need a prescription? Do you no, just show up? You just show up. You, you wait online. You go in. You buy your weed and you go home. So they only serve deadheads aged fifty to eighty. <laughs> you have to. You have to have a tie-dyed T-shirt with I mean, a skeleton marijuana fans on it. are everywhere. Mm. You know, I mean, it doesn't. It crosses all ages and demographics. Yeah, I think. it's really something. Thank so, you for the call. We were going to call this episode Foreplay with Mike and Nat. Because, foreplay. Because four years, you turned 45 yes, recently. I had a birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. Belatedly. 45. And this is season four, right? Yes. So lots of, lots of crazy shit going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, this, was, this has been a crazy summer. I don't know. Don't you think? <sighs> yes. It has been a full summer. It was not boring. You went, uh, to, uh, you went to California. Uh, I just family. flew in from California, <laughs> and boy, are my arms tired. Um, yeah, I was just getting my notes up on it because I can't remember anything. You were just there. Uh, <laughs> you were there like last week. Well, uh, there was Two a few ago. trips this summer. You know, as, oh, right. as I've me- yeah. mentioned, my wife is, loves to travel. She loves to plan trips. Um, she's just one of the, you know, there's people like that, that all the think about while they're not on vacation is planning the next vacation. Yeah, I'm that guy in my family. It drives me nuts, but <laughs> when we do go away, I'm always happy. It's sort of like an AA meeting for me. I never wanted to go, but every time I went, I was glad I did. So <clears throat> we had these really great trips. Uh, California being the most recent was awesome. I have to say it was a low-stress trip. Where'd you go in California? <clears throat> we, first, we stayed in Hollywood uh, at some hotel. Um, again, my wife planned it and, um, it was a lot of fun. We, you know, visited, uh, WB studios. We did those backlot tours nice, and that was a lot of fun. And, um, it was really cool to see things like we visited in back to the future, the clock tower. Oh yeah. So one thing I learned is what the word backlot meant because I did not know Sounds what it meant. Dirty. It just, to me, I pictured a parking lot behind target, but it's not. <laughs> so in the movie biz, it's just like fake-looking towns they film shit oh, in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get to walk, and apparently what they do is they just reuse the same back lots. Mm-hmm. And the secret is, and I'm, you know, this is a spoiler for everything you've ever watched, they just change like the lamps in the street and the handles on the doors, basically, and the signs. But it's almost always the same stupid like street that you're watching on TV. So you can change the time and the era yeah. based on the stuff. And they put. showed comparison. It was actually really uh, amazing. The movies, man. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, so seeing WB and, and the kids were just really in awe. They had a great time. And, um, and then we went to Universal, which is another one of these backlot tours, but it's a lot more involved. And they had this huge theme park, which I had no idea that was yeah, there. That's that's wild. It was amazing. I had to say, if anybody is going in that direction, the Universal theme park is like, it's, it's like a mini Disney. And the rides are amazing. There's Harry Potter Land and Nintendo World. That's new. That wasn't and, there uh, when we went a couple years ago. There's. Uh, did you go to the World. Simpsons World? Yes. Did you get the giant donut? I did. Yeah. And I cut it up like a pie. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was so cool. Um, but me and my kids, we were all having a blast. Uh, it was just really fun. The uh, there's a crusty burger. You could get a crusty mm-hmm. burger there too. But yep. the line is usually long for that. It know. was cool. Now, one of the things my wife did that was so brilliant is 
she has a friend who's like a, he's a travel agent type of guy. So he was giving us hints. Mm-hmm. He says, you have to do the VIP tour. And when you hear VIP, you think, God, that's, we're never going to be able to afford that. You know, we're barely getting there to begin with. Right. And apparently it's not that expensive. It was like an extra 200 bucks or something. Yeah. Like to- it was not bad. You get to skip every line. You skip every line. You have um, your own lounge. They walk you around past all the lines. You feel like a real, you know, star. It's amazing. And it really wasn't, um, it wasn't that much more. I think the thing is you have to do it really early. Um, and that yeah. was cool. And Noah ran into some famous YouTuber, Matt Smith. In the VIP lounge, who I... I Matt know. Smith? Yeah, not, well, not the not guy from... Matt Smith. And we were all joking. We're like, oh, it's not uh, Doctor <laughs> Who, but... Uh, so he got a selfie, and he walked right up to the guy, which I was always terrible at. He's like, oh, that's a famous YouTuber. And I said, oh, why don't you go say hi? He was kidding. And he walked up to him and got a selfie. Cool. You know. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I liked Harry Potter Land, and I was that extremely... That ride is j- great. Dude, it was amazing. Um there was a couple of rides, I have to say, because my Max, my little guy, he's still too little to get on some of these rides, and it was really, oh, just uh, the pain, you know? Poor he, kid. He's just right there. It's like two inches to get to the... I always told him to stand on their oh, tiptoes for those. He just, he didn't have enough toes left. He couldn't. <laughs> uh, and they were really strict about it. And so a couple of times I had to dip out last minute and just hang out with him. Right. Uh, you know, and he was just like, ugh. He was so, but, you know, we worked it out. I just felt terrible. It took me back. I mean, you're a tall guy. You probably didn't have those uh, problems. But us short people, I know well, the pain. I didn't have rides like that when I was a kid. But, uh, you know, did you notice, like, since you haven't been drinking for a few years, mm. that the rides that mess with your, uh, like, your um, sense of equilibrium and stuff like are easier to take or yeah, I'm not vomiting. are they harder to take? Because like I, a couple of years ago, after a couple of years of not drinking, I went on one of those whirly gig rides at uh, St. Rocco's feast down at the, by the water mm-hmm. there. And I still felt like I was going to throw up. And I was pissed because I'm like, you know, I, I figured if I wasn't like half hung over all the time, like it would, my inner ear would be, would be better at this shit. Do you have any, I, yeah, I, I honestly didn't notice a difference. Yeah. Um, that's, it's disappointing. You know, the big difference I have to say, like, but I was thinking about this walking around the park, the big difference for me, um, sober Nat, and then before is I didn't have, I couldn't enjoy these types of things. Right. Even if I wasn't hungover, I was always either, you know, on something or waiting to be on something. Mm -hmm. And there was never that I'm feeling good. I'm fully focused on my children. You know, and that's one thing I've been able to do if, if you want a reason to get sober. Um, for me, it's allowing me, I'm present, I'm there. Yes. And, um, and that was the biggest difference. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm there with them. And I just felt like I was never able to do that. I always had my head elsewhere. And, uh, and so it was really enjoyable. Do they even uh, sell booze at Universal? Um, and you know, it's funny, I... I, they must. I just didn't notice. Isn't the fact that, crazy? that neither one of us noticed yeah. is, is, a, is amazing, right? Like, I know that I'm going to assume they had some alcohol somewhere, but I wasn't looking for it, and it wasn't out in my face. And they tend to do that at parks. They don't, like, Disney, you know, the beer is in front and center, yes. thankfully. So, yeah, I, uh, I didn't notice. Disney actually has been pushing the booze a little more the last couple of years, I've noticed, because I guess they're, they realize they're getting a more adult group of people yeah because a lot of the millennials just are still like oh, yeah. st- stuck in disney and plus you know disney now has star wars and stuff so it's like yeah. it's not like it's a bunch of little kids anymore yeah um 
which is disappointing, but whatever. Yeah, it's, they have that Star Wars cantina. And, uh, you know, if you're drinking, they've got some interesting-looking uh, space drinks. But, yeah, they, it, there was alcohol. You could always go around the world. Uh, oh, yeah. Drink around the world. At Ep- Epcot, Epcot, they have yeah. it. They have this thing where you walk around a big, I don't know what it is, but it's a path that goes in a huge circle, kind of like the Hadron Collider at CERN. Yeah. And you go, <laughs> it's just <laughs> like that, in fact. <laughs> you, know, you, you, know, it's a lot, uh, you know, it's all about the drinking, but... The food is good too. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's whatever. It's society is that way, and I don't think that's ever going to change. Not only is it not changing, it's getting bigger and bigger. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a new restaurant in town. I was just going to ask you about that place. And it's called The Wine Line. Backstory on that. Do you remember when they were trying to get their license and people yep. in town were like, sign the petition to help them get their license because yeah. the the state says there's a liquor store that's too close and it's too much booze. Uh-huh. And then the liquor store guy was like... They're going to buy liquor for me. We're like, no, they, he was like, here's a petition not to allow the wine oh, line. He's tried and to I stop signed it. his petition, me and five other people. Uh, and uh, But anyway, I guess so. I guess the wine line got their their liquor license they definitely got it and you might wonder why i was at such a place <laughs> why um, were you at such a place so um we have these parent buddies and they're they're i've really come to like these people they're i consider them my friends now we've been on vacation together many of soccer games sidelines good people they all know i don't drink so mm-hmm. it's sort of it's baked in nat doesn't drink so nobody offers me drinks it's great but um, once in a while, they like to plan these. There's a new restaurant in town. They all want to go. And mm-hmm. the girls, are, the women, the wives are all very good friends. And <clears throat> the men tolerate each other. <clears throat> so it, they plan this. Uh, we all went out on a Thursday night and um, to try this new restaurant. And uh, basically, it was very good um, because it's that same chef who has the Italian restaurant down the street. Really? It, this guy is taking over. Uh, all of Oyster Bay, which isn't the worst thing because there's action in town. Wait a minute. What? This isn't, the, this isn't Jesse who owns Two Spring. No. Right? This is the guy that owns Stalina or whatever it's called? He bought Cardinale and uh, Osteria, what's now. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's But it's like, not that chef. It's not the guy from Osteria who owns Taco Bay. No, different guy. Different guy. Yep. Okay. And, and he's opened, he bought uh, the uh, Italian bakery called it Stellina. Right. And he opened that other Italian restaurant and he opened this place oh. and he's opening a place next to it as an ice cream shop. Really? Yeah. Finally. Yeah. Finally an ice cream shop in town. But it made me see that like this is what it takes to be successful. I mean, it was a Thursday night and it was packed mm-hmm. and it was all people 50 to 75 couples you know, drunk over, off their ass, pretty much. <laughs> you know, but having a good time—it's a cool spot. You know, of course, were they having a good time? It appeared that way. It, it mm. appeared that way. I didn't see anybody crying. Were into they the, really having a good time? Deep down inside, they all hated themselves. Yeah, I think I think underneath all of that yeah. conviviality was perhaps a bit of desperation. It appeared that way, and anxiety, yeah. and certainly depression to come. Probably both, but you know, I was the one sitting there going, ugh. <laughs> It's just <laughs> drink after drink, and they, it wasn't that bad. But of course, I was the designated driver. And uh, the do food, they serve food? The food was excellent, actually. They do small plates. I had these shrimp tacos that were. The is it, is there anything to drink besides wine? Um. Well, I had. I said not really. 
Uh, they've got water and I think soda. Oh, boy. But they will come up with a mocktail for you if oh. you ask for it. So. so they have like a full liquor license there. Uh, yeah, they okay. must. I mean, yeah. it was full on. So I was like, um, you know, what do you have for a designated driver? And uh, that was my line. And so she right. goes, oh. That's a good line. She looked confused. Like, why are you here if you're not drinking? Because right. like, designated drivers don't exist. This town is three square miles. Yeah. You could walk. Don't you live down the road? And <laughs> yeah. uh, But she was very, she's like, no, I'll come up with something. You know, what don't you like? And I always just don't like the flavor of bananas. So that's what I always say. Nothing with bananas. That's my line. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what I'm ordering. What, what are you allergic to? What do you don't like? Not bananas. Whatever it is. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. And it was good. I don't know. We had a good time. But it made me really see... Um, demonstrated loud on a Thursday night that mm-hmm. alcohol is moving the needle in Oyster Bay. It's back, baby. Yeah. Alcohol never left, but now it's more than ever. I mean, there's no sports store in town, but you know, there's plenty of places to get blotto on a weeknight. Yeah, well, Oyster Bay's not unique in that regard. That's how um, Huntington got so big. It started with bars, yeah. restaurants. A lot of restaurants. Mostly alcohol. Mostly alcohol. So interesting. Um, I had a couple of events this summer that um, were really heavily focused on booze. And um, I was in the unique situation this summer of actually enjoying myself when I went out to a couple of different things. You enjoyed yourself? I enjoyed myself. rather than Sober? Fe- yes. Impossible. Rather than feeling like I was at an obligation that I had to get through to get back to my room to go to sleep. This mm-hmm. is for the work trip I, that I took in to San Diego, actually, right. in July, before we went on vacation. Um, I actually had a good time. And uh, that surprised me because I've been so used to the last few years going to work events, going to other, you know, up social obligations and mm. just sort of gritting my teeth through it. And I just kind of figured that's the way it's going to be if I'm hanging out with people who are drinking, yeah. whatever. But I, I kind of reframed it in my head, like that I'm going out and I'm going to have a good time. And it was kind of easy because my company threw one of these weird, lavish, freaking corporate excess parties on an aircraft carrier in San Diego. The kind you see on shows like Dope Sick and uh, <laughs> exactly. Painkiller. Exactly. Right. But it's an insurance company. Right. I guess that's not... No opioids know. being sold. No. No, but you know, so that, but they had like five bars and all this food and everything. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to concentrate on the food. And they had enough entertainment. Like you walk in on the aircraft carrier and they had a band that was like basically mimicking the Andrews sisters singing like the boogie woogie bugle. Oh, cool. So, and you know, back in the old days, I would have planted myself in front of a bar, just drank, not eaten any of the food Mm -hmm. and, you know, left at the end. But what I did this time was I, they offered tours of the aircraft carrier. So I took one. Went on that with, and I noticed all the other people who took the tour, not drinkers. Not drinkers, yeah. yeah. And um, and then it was a big surprise, but the band that the company, my company hired was Starship. Remember them? Jefferson Starship? We, we built this city. The, the real band? The real band. Wow. Yes. That was weird. But uh, the, so the thing turned into like a rock and roll show. Huh. They also had the guy from the Romantics. Oh, wow. That's what I like about you. I really know how to dance. I yeah. Uh, and so I'm hanging out there and I'm actually at a concert, sort of, right? I'm where I'm also wearing like a jacket and tie. It's a, a simulated and, concert a sim- environment. Right. But, uh, and, but I'm like dancing 
and I'm hanging off of a pole <laughs> and I'm like, this is great. And, you know, I'm not like the biggest fan of Starship. I like Jefferson Starship, Jefferson Airplane, but yeah. this is like what's left over for it's not years, even, years later. <laughs> just the Starship just portion. The, it's Starship. And it's funny because the next day I, I'm flying home and I, and I ran into the guitar player uh, in the Delta Club. And I talked to him for like an hour oh, about cool. music, so that was pretty. That was pretty neat. That's awesome. Um, but uh, I I got back to the hotel. I stayed up until like eleven. <laughs> I was wow. like, I'm like, that was amazing. Right. I had a great time, and I realized that you know every year that you stay sober, like things happen. Like you continue to change and evolve, and the things that you, yeah. you know, I thought forever I would be doomed to like uh just having like a moderately interesting yeah. evening but you know i had a I, I had a great time and then we went to costa rica the next week for vacation and that was fantastic and there was not a lot of drinking going on there that i felt like mm. needed to be done you know there i don't really i mean we did a lot of outdoor stuff mm -hmm. you know Going to the jungle, of, yeah. going to bird watching, all that kind of stuff. So whatever. But we got back, and then it was my sister-in-law's wedding. Oh, that's right. Okay. And weddings are always yeah, I, tricky. Especially because this one was going till 1 in the morning. Uh -huh. So I knew in advance that I was gonna, it's going to start at 7, and it's going to go to 1 in the morning. And I was like, fuck me. Like, I don't even like to stay up past like 10 o'clock anymore, right? So we go to the wedding. And of course, everyone starts with the champagne and everything early and uh, get through the ceremony, go to the reception. It's a Long Island wedding, right? So if you've ever encountered one of these. I like had one. The, okay, there you yeah, go. So it's like the cocktail hour is like its own little reception, yep. right? It's an hour of open bar and everything. I go in and I, I go up there. And I, I'm like, do you have any non-alcoholic beer? Not fully expecting them to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. But they had like an O'Doul's. So I'm like, nice. all right, I'll take an O'Doul's. So I get an O'Doul's. They put it in a glass for me. I take three sips. I'm like, this is fucking garbage. It's disgusting. I just I leave it on the table. I, I get <laughs> like so a seltzer gross. water. Uh, but then we go into the main reception. There's a champagne toast. And they give me the champagne in the glass. It's on the table already. I pick it up. I do the thing. I bring it up to my nose. I smell it. I tilt it. And then I just put it back. You just tape. pretended. Yeah, yeah I just like, pretended. I've done that before. And I was like, I was like, you know, I could just shoot this thing back and nobody would be none the no wise. And that thought still fucking creeps into my head every once in a while. Like, maybe I should just drink this this flute of champagne. And then Who what? You would never know. Right. And then you would right, know. I would know. It would drive you fucking crazy. It would. I would have to, like, I would feel, would have felt terrible. Yeah. I would have felt so. so I didn't do it. But, uh, but then I go out on the dance floor and we need a video of this. There's, Oh, they're videos. Yes. <laughs> they're videos, videos floating around of Mike um, dancing. Uh, and I just danced my ass off for like three hours and no booze, nothing. And I thought I would feel inhibited and I thought I would, and I was not. I was all of a sudden, I was so secure with happy, my sober self. Happy, joyous, and free? I was. Maybe? I was fucking happy, joyous, you motherfucking hear that, folks? free. I couldn't believe it. And you didn't go to AA and you're still happy, Joey. I'm and still free. happy. I was not happy that I had to stay up until two o'clock mm -hmm. in the morning, but it was okay. You made the most of it. I made the most of it. And there's great video of me and my wife dancing and having a great time. And it was, so that was twice in like a span of a couple months that I went out, I did a thing that I was kind of like, Ugh, I don't know about this thing. And it ended up being fantastic. So sobriety is fucking great, man. Well, yeah. And I think, 
I'm having the same experience and it's a lot of it for me is expectations. Uh, And when I set, what I've been doing is I'm setting expectations for myself at these events that I'm having a good time no matter what. Um, regardless, you you go into it with the idea that you're going to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. I tell myself, um, I used to have to say it louder, but now I, it's more (laughs) automatic. Because you're much more social than we are. Like you, you guys are out all the time doing stuff with people that like, I can't imagine going to the wine line Uh, with a bunch of people who are just drinking all night. I would pass on that. It's hard for me, but I do it because I know it's good for me. It's good for our relationships. Yeah. 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 But it's. Yeah, it's good, and I don't know. It's also tiresome, um, you know. In that, I'm tired. I mean, when I say tiresome, I like these, I like the people a lot. My wife and I have a blast, but yeah, you know, yeah. I'm exhausted. It's not about the people. Sometimes it's just about the setting, you know. Yeah. And honestly, I, uh, I we should go to the wine line, you and me, and the wives. If I, the food is good enough, the food is good. Okay. Yeah, we can let them have wine, and then yeah. we can uh, eat food. It's a cool scene too. It's like sort of couchy, loungy, mm-hmm. like because I kind of I kind of cool. miss that sometimes, like dressing up like an adult yeah, that's and going it. out and and yeah. you know, it's like I, playing pretend. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's fun. I'm still trying to shake off the fucking pandemic stink. Oh, like I I got I became so isolated. You know. Yeah, I think we're all kind of going through that a little bit, and you know, for me, it, it came back too fast. But now I'm like acclimating to it because life just hit me in the face. Yes. When it did come back too fast. It scared me. I wanted to run back into my little shell. It was horrifying. Um, But uh, that's that's the way it's been for me. It's the way it's going for Mike. The longer you stay sober, the easier it gets, the more fun you have. Yeah. And the more you just don't give a shit about, I'll speak for myself, we went to this all-inclusive, not all-inclusive, but it was one of these resort-type places in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And... um, I didn't give a fuck about the alcohol. Right. I didn't, you know, envy my wife holding whatever drink she had. I didn't look at the other guy in the in the hot tub looking at his drink going, man, I wish that could be me. I was just having a good time. And that's like, for me, that's success in recovery. Like, I feel like I'm not tortured by the constant thought of, man, I wish I could have a drink. Would you say that alcohol has become a small and insignificant part of your life? I think so. That's what uh, Annie Grace said is the eventual goal of this Naked Mind and other programs like that. Yeah. So um, maybe we'll take a little break before we get to the main thing. But I do want to uh, talk a little bit about Shatterproof. For Shatterproof, a yes. Yeah. So um, if you or anyone you know is looking for treatment for a substance abuse disorder, you should check out Shatterproof's website, www.treatmentatlas.org. Uh, It's a free and confidential way to search for treatment that might be appropriate to you. And if you've received treatment for addiction, uh, be of service to the rest of us and leave a review to help others make the decision about where to go for help. Uh, To leave a review, go to Treatment Atlas, find your treatment program, and take a couple of minutes to leave a review. Treatment Atlas currently includes providers in 12 states, with more on the way. Um, I'm not going to read all of them, but... uh, There are 12 of them. So look for a Shatterproof walk this fall by going to www.shatterproof.org to find a walk in a city near you and to register to join or create a team. Join a Shatterproof walk to honor those who have lost their lives to the disease of addiction. Celebrate those who are living in recovery and bring hope to the millions still suffering. So um, I created a Shatterproof Mm. walk team for this fall in New York. The walk is on October 28th. Mm. Um, you should join me 
and whoever else. I think I'm going, going to come. Am I going to that too? <laughs> you could. Okay. You have to join the team. Okay. Go to the go to Shatterproof and walk and join the team. Yeah, we're um, all you other monsters who live in the tri-state area may want to come and do that. Yeah, it's it's kind of. Um, that was kind of my dream, actually, with this show, is that we would one day do something like this. Yeah. So I really, so um, I'm really excited about it. I am. Uh, I am definitely feeling like uh, that's going to be a fun time. I don't know. Maybe afterwards we can go to Katz's and get get some deli or something. You know, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Speaking of Katz's, DopeyCon is coming up, and um, yeah, when is that? By the way, I was going to find out before the show so I could help. You know, because I want to be. I'm going to be there for sure. And uh, I was talking to Dave about it, and he said it would probably be okay, you know, if we did a little informal monster meetup at DopeyCon. Really? Yes. Um, we should probably figure out what day it is. We should figure out. <laughs> I think it's a, I don't want to say the wrong date, but it's going to be cool. There's going to be a lot of uh, monsters there, uh, mostly Dopey Nation people, but half of us are, I think, also Dopey fans. But it's going to be a really cool event in New York City. Um, celebrating recovery, and there's a lot of really cool speakers. I think Anna Lemke. There's a lot of a lot of the, the guests that have been on are going to be there. Cool. Um, so uh, there's also so the Shatterproof Walk in San Francisco that was going to take place over Veterans Day weekend. The walk itself was canceled, mm-hmm. but there is an informal Monster meetup happening in San Francisco. Uh, so save the date. For the Monkster Meetup in San Francisco, November 11th and 12th, families, friends, etc., all are welcome. Um, That's an official Monkster Meetup. It, it is. Uh, Saturday, November 11th, we think we'll probably spend the day exploring San Francisco, Chinatown, Union Square, Haight-Ashbury, Golden Gate Park. Maybe we can uh, do some some heady bong rips in the park or something, <laughs> Take some ad, drop some acid, yeah. go visit the Grateful Dead house. Sunday, November 12th, uh, and this is kind of what I'm looking forward to. You head north across the Golden Gate Bridge, taking the beauty of Marin County, Muir Woods, Point Reyes, National Seashore, etc. So you would be making your own hotel and travel arrangements and meet us for all or part of the weekend. You can RSVP to gboykin at gmail.com, uh, G-B-O-I-K-E-N at gmail.com, uh, which will help for planning purposes. My intention is to go uh, with my son, Jack, and Ben is coming as well. Wow. We, uh, we're going to visit a college or two for Jack, I think, while we're out there. Cool. And then join all or part of the weekend, prob- definitely Muir Woods on Sunday. Uh, if, if I can make Saturday work, I'll make Saturday work. So Wow. Yeah. That sounds like fun. So please. All are welcome. All are welcome. Yeah. And uh, if I know who's coming ahead of time, I'll bring you all T-shirts because I still have a box of T-shirts uh, that's collecting dust and yeah. small animals. In we, our merch basement. game is weak. We, we're going to step it up. Yeah. Better Speaking merch. of stepping it up, I got to step up the stairs and go to the bathroom. So why don't, let's say we... Um, we'll be right back after these words. Yeah. And we're back. We're back. We're back. Hi. Hi. Did, I only drank like one cup of coffee before you got here, but I, I, I feel like I peed out like the contents of mm. the Long Island Sound. It's it was amazing. very weird. <laughs> yeah, I've had those Good moments. radio, isn't it? That's uh, great. It's, I'm old. Yeah, Emptying the bladder. Sure. Uh, when you know better. You do better. But sometimes doing better depends on what tools are available to you. What tools are available to you, Nat? Um, all kinds of things. I mean... As Tell two me. men in recovery 
from alcohol use disorder. That's me. We know how difficult it can be to seek help for a disease that's so stigmatized. If you're struggling to get sober, Soberlink can help. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system was specifically designed to help you in your recovery. It's not just some breathalyzer you buy at the store. Mm -mm. Small enough to fit in your pocket and discreet enough to use in public or in front of the kids, Soberlink devices combine facial recognition, tamper detection, and real-time results so friends and family know instantly that you're sober and working towards your recovery goals. This system would have been a game changer for Nat and I during early recovery when mm. every bit of accountability helps. Yes, I, I really think uh, that I can't, I really think I can't think. I really can't think of a better tool for tracking and sharing progress and rebuilding trust in relationships. Make 2023 a memorable one, at least what's left of it. Um, visit www.soberlink.com slash middle hyphen ages. And Mike will middle hyphen your ages. To sign up and receive $50 off your device. Device. Yeah. <sighs> okay. <And> we're just <laughs> synchronized sighing. Yeah. Yo, Soberlink, I just want to say that there are really great sponsor we're really happy to have them on board we did a schlocky read of their ad but um that wasn't schlocky you know it was, was kind pretty of fucking professional our, if you ask me our tongues were firmly planted in our cheek what are you talking about i just about? don't want them to feel like we're, i totally believe in Soberlink's i mission. believe but i want to make sure the monsters believe it it works did i sound like i was being sarcastic no not you but i thought you know we have fun with it i just don't know what kind of sense of humor I, they I, have i actually did it kind of straight today it, i thought well, maybe I wasn't. See, it's all in my head. But I want to say, Soberlink, Grant Boykin uses it. Used, I wish used it. Used I don't it. think he uses it anymore. And he, he got a long way. So definitely reach out to Soberlink. It's a great way to uh, track your progress and make your uh, family feel better that you're actually not drinking. It's all about accountability. Middle hyphen age. Whether it's accountability to yourself or accountability to somebody else. Mm. Take the breathalyzer thing, breathe into it, and uh, send it to your friends and family. And you can't trick it with your dog breathing on it. Right, because of facial recognition. Not only that, they can tell if it's dog breath. <laughs> really? I think. I don't know. I think it can tell the difference. It's an amazing device, regardless. Um, yeah. So, all right. <clears throat> we had to have some topic for this show. Yes. Because, you know, otherwise it would just be you and me talking for an hour or two. So, I... Um, was going through the Netflix about a month ago, and I came across Painkiller, mm. which, um, you know, it talks about the origins of uh, the opioid crisis. Uh, it follows the OxyContin's trail of destruction from Richard Sackler, who was played by Ferris Bueller, uh, who's the former chairman and president of Purdue Pharma, of course, to the middlemen and the sales reps and everything. So it's basically the same story as um, the other show. With Michael Keaton. Which yeah, that is, was the first thing I noticed. I was like, hmm. Dope sick, I yeah. guess. Um, but it was a really weird, magical realism, psychedelic mm. version of the, um, of the, of the Sackler story uh, and the OxyContin story because it purported to get inside Richard Sackler's head, which is a place that nobody has ever been and yeah. <laughs> nobody should ever go. Yeah. And um, so it... it, it um, so Matthew Broderick did a interesting job acting as Dr. Richard Sackler. And, and I think the only way people know Sackler to sort of base um, a portrayal on is from the deposition that he gave in, in the civil case, yep. right? And he, he definitely came across as kind of a weird, weird dude, but I don't know. I think Painkiller took it a little too far. 
too far and now. It had, well, because it like, okay, so Matthew Broderick was wandering around his big mansion up in or Sackler's mansion up in Connecticut, and the smoke alarm was going off for the entire show. Like, and I guess that was supposed to represent some something in the background that that he was hearing that he should pay attention to that he didn't pay attention to. Maybe it was the fact that OxyContin was, oh. you know, I, I mean, I have no idea what the, what the showrunners or the directors were thinking. Huh. So that was weird. And then the other thing that was weird was um, the fact that his dead uncle um, kept appearing, uh, yes. you know, as like a, a bit of like an, uh, bit of underdone potato indigestion is that shakespearean <laughs> like seeing that ghost who's like haunting him yeah. driving his actions right um, um yeah he's haunted by his uncle's legacy and his uncle shows up and yells at him and then beats the shit out of yep. him at the end of the show it's just such a very for destroying the legacy yeah. like it was just so weird and I, I thought the acting was a little wooden and I don't know. It just seemed like a low-rent version of Dope Sec. Well, you know, it reminded... Maybe this will help um, sort of explain it. If anyone has seen W by Oliver Stone... Okay. ...with Josh Brolin, it's the same kind of sort of overly cartoonish caricature yeah. of George W. Bush is what Josh Brolin did when it was a little funny. And everything that... All the weird uh, behavior they showed was exaggerated to sort of drive home the point of this is what this person, you know, this is what we think was going on. It's to really just make it into a caricature. And I felt like Broderick was doing kind of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a little crazy. He's sort of offbeat, even goes against the family. You know, he's the one pushing them in a direction they didn't want to go. And uh, yeah, I, I can see that. I heard all of the criticisms about it being poorly or overly acted, but I don't know. It was kind of, uh, I don't know. I think they did it deliberately for sure. Yeah. I, I thought up dope sick did it better. Um, you was, know, in terms yeah. of the dynamics within the Sackler family yeah. and, and the, the guy who played uh, Dr. Richard Sackler in dope sick was much more menacing and yeah. sort of like dark. Yeah. And cause Matthew Broderick, like you put a lot of makeup on him, but to me, he still looks like fucking Ferris Bueller. I can't, I can't be, get over yeah. that. But um, one thing they, that they, they would do in painkiller though, is like, it wasn't just the scenes with, with Richard Sackler. It was also like, for example, like the FDA examiner who was o o charged with overseeing the, the label process or the yeah. approval process for Oxycontin in real life. His name was Curtis Wright. Uh, he was played by this guy named Noah Harpster. You know, bushy beard, glasses, right? And this, and if you don't remember the story about about Curtis Wright, I mean, he became a like he was a serious roadblock for Purdue getting OxyContin uh, approved, mm -hmm. and but eventually he signed off on their application, saying that delayed absorption as provided by OxyContin tablets is believed to reduce the abuse liability of the drug. Now that was a that was a false claim, uh, anchored by those two words "is believed," but that was enough to you know, quell right. the anxiety of doctors and so forth and patients around the country. And then, of course, a year after that approval, Wright left the FDA and went to work for Purdue Pharma at a salary of $380,000 a year. But they, they kind of showed, like, they were telling the story. And then when they got to the point where they said that he left and he started working for Purdue at a higher salary, they showed him cavorting in a swimming pool, mm -hmm. jumping up and down, like in this really sort of psychedelic montage scene. Yeah. And I guess you either like that kind of thing or you don't. And, and, you know, I, I, 
I didn't actually watch Dope Sick. I watched Painkiller first, mm. and then I watched Dope Sick right afterwards. Wow. And the, the juxtaposition of those two really yeah. got me because I thought... It's stark difference. Yeah. Dope... That was a ghost. <laughs> that was my pad accidentally hitting the weak and weird button. Sorry. But, I mean, Michael Keating... Um, Keaton. Keaton, sorry. Batman. Definitely, yeah. Always my favorite Batman. I just call him Batman. Um, he's just such a, a better actor. Than, yeah. You know. Yeah, Broderick is definitely not Michael Keaton, for sure. I mean, Keaton played a, a doctor who got addicted to OxyContin and prescribed it a lot for his patients and yeah i just thought that was uh, it really humanized the doctors because a lot of people demonize doctors um maybe rightfully so here and there but what what um what they showed in in dope sick is the doctors were um were tricked too or, or they were pulled along and by the time they realized that um it was too late or they were addicted themselves so it definitely I, humanized them. i think some doctors were pulled along and i think others just took advantage of an opportunity like oh yeah produce you know, there's the some sales reps did. There's you know? some egregious uh, examples of that. I mean, you know, it, it, I now I forget which one, which documentary it was or dramatization it was, where um, folks left West Virginia to drive to Florida because the Florida had way more pill yes. mills, so you could just, you know, yeah. And, down and there, there was there, a doctor were, behind that. Yeah, every of course, you know, time writing writing prescriptions, and a lot of those guys went to jail, but not you know not enough of them. Right. And you know. They were very, both of these, these um, shows were extremely, you know, um, hard on the Sackler family as, as they should be. But I think they, and, and, you know, they really, they kind of gave the government a little bit of a pass, I thought, because the, it's the structure of, of, of the way these drugs get approved and the revolving door between the FDA and the pharmaceutical industry that is just as responsible for OxyContin finding its way into the public uh, at the levels it did as as Purdue Pharma. I mean, you know, corporations are going to go out there and make money. That's what they do, you know. And whether it's, you know, uh, something that's so obvious, as obviously deadly as OxyContin or whether it's like a, a chemical that's used in our food or or, or to, on crops or mm. something like that. I mean... These companies are not going to, they don't have a conscience. You know? Yeah, we like to imagine that they do. And I think that these documentaries and these movies kind of show where we're all human and these people are extremely flawed. And when you take a person who's extremely flawed and they're a doctor and they're an entrepreneur and they're in a position of power, you know, and make the wrong, it's just like it was a confluence of horrible decisions or thoughtless actions by just a constellation of people in power and all, you know, bound by money. And so it just, man, yeah. But at the, at the end of the day, though, and, and the thing that really, uh, really kind of got to me was at the end of the day, I'm watching these, both these shows, and I know how the story ends, right? And it, the story ends with nobody going to jail and the Sacklers keeping all their money for the most part. Yeah. And Purdue Pharma in bankruptcy. So everybody who worked at Purdue Pharma who had maybe had nothing to do with, with the marketing of OxyContin lost their jobs, you know, and the company declared bankruptcy, except for the guys at the top, like the Sacklers. Now, yeah. are they pariahs in social society now? I guess so. But I guess it's kind of easy to be a pariah if you still are worth like, you know, billions of dollars. Yeah. You know, you can, you don't need to hang out in the, in the salons of, 
of Europe or with with other billionaires. I mean, mm. Richard Sackler now is seventy eight years old, right? And he's living in a, in a one point seven million dollar house in Boca Raton, which is really not a big house. But I guess he's got to kind of play it. He's playing play it, it cool. on, play it cool because he doesn't want to end up in jail. But it is noteworthy that at the beginning of August, the U.S. Supreme Court took a look at the deal that Purdue Pharma had entered into. Uh, which is, you know, they would pay whatever it was, how many billions of dollars? I think it was $5 billion. $5 billion, yeah. $8 billion, something like that. Oh, yeah, 8 But then they would be uh, basically immune from any future lawsuits by anybody and yep. unprosecutable on, on the criminal side. Indemnified, you might say. Yeah, I guess you could say. Well, not really. No. You, but... Uh, no so way. is that, you know, justice being done? And and Painkiller and... Um, and uh, the other show dope sick. dope sick painkiller and dope sick uh treated the resolution against purdue pharma in two totally different ways in painkiller it was shown as a failure that the the u.s attorney who prosecuted purdue pharma and only got a couple of misdemeanor convictions and a few hundred million dollars uh it was portrayed as a failure but in dope sick they made it seem as though the same uh, deal was like the best they could get, and it was it was justice, you know. Um, and and I, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm much more in the painkiller camp when it comes to deciding which one of those narratives I'd like to embrace, right? I mean, because you know, hundreds of thousands of people died, and and there's compelling evidence that. Uh, that Purdue Pharma and Sackler himself knew what he was doing yeah. and did it anyway. I mean, con- awareness and conscious disregard. Well, it's either manslaughter or murder, which I would settle pick? for either. Yeah. I would just settle for, you know, something less than that as long as somebody goes to prison. Because if nobody goes to prison, they're just going to keep doing it because money is just fucking nothing. Like yeah. a billion dollars is nothing to these people. It really is. Um, yeah, and uh, it made me think though, like what what would justice even look like? Like, like if he did go to jail, is that even ju- like can there even be justice in this scenario? And it's it's been so damaging to so many families and so many. Like, how do you quantify justice in a situation like this? Well, I mean, you're never going to get the people back that died, but right. I mean, you know, we live in a society where street drug dealers go to jail for you know ten years, and and, and you know, corrupt corporate executives who make and market drugs that kill hundreds of thousands never go to jail. No, and we wouldn't have room in the jails for them if, if they did. And it's just like... Oh, we could make some room. We could make room. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, the, the other thing Painkiller did that I, I did like, so let me say something nice about Painkiller, is that they put the real people portrayed in the show would speak at the beginning of the... Uh, at the cha- of the chapter. Yes. So I did like that because it really put the human face. They're kind of like, this is a little cartoonish and wacky, but these are real people. Right. Here's my daughter yeah. who died. Here's my son who died. Yeah, that yeah. was powerful. Yeah, it was. And and certainly the story, um, the story arc that, where they followed of, you know, so so the show was broken up, sim- similar to Dope Sick, Painkiller was broken up, where you would see what was going on at Purdue, you'd see what was going on with the sales reps and how they tried to manipulate the doctors, and then they would also follow the story of a couple of people who, you know, got prescribed OxyContin for an injury at work, and how they became addicted, and how that addiction, 
you know, cha- destroyed their yeah. lives and how they eventually OD'd and died, yeah. right? And so I like I liked the way they did that. And in, in, uh, in Painkiller, it was the guy who owned his own tire uh, garage. Yeah, that was sick. And he, you know, he hurt his back and he got prescribed and he took it as directed and but it wasn't didn't wasn't working it wasn't enough so he kept taking more and at the same time Purdue Pharma is like um in their secret meetings they're like they're developing the strategy of how to get the doctors to prescribe more you know they come up with the concept of breakthrough pain which is like pain that comes yeah. through the dose and the solution to that is is to of of course it's more oxycontin yeah, right take fifth, more your fifth vital is right. what's your pain right and and those pain charts went into every uh every doctor's office in in the country and it was this concerted effort to make opioids um socially acceptable for the treatment of moderate and mild pain yeah and it would have worked if it didn't ruin so many people's lives I don't know how does that how would that ever have worked because if it, if it mean, wasn't if addictive like they said right maybe. oh right okay yeah. You know, yeah in a fantasy world where it was as advertised which yeah. clearly it was not it wasn't but I don't know um, I want to say same old story um, and that's what I thought before I watched it <clears throat> if you've been listening to our show you've we've been through these um, stories a, a lot we re- you know we covered Empire of Pain. Um, but I still think it bears repeating um, the level of disgust that um, that I feel for the Purdue Pharma, the whole industry, and it's just magnified by these shows. Um, but uh, it's important, and I don't know what it means to get justice. I don't know what the end game is, but you know the fact that we're talking about it and it's out there. And doctors are not as free to prescribe it anymore. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's the success, the fact that we're all talking about it. It's no longer a big... Same thing with the big tobacco. Everybody knew it was bad for you, but, um, you know, the level to which it was, like, intentionally marketed, knowing it would kill people, it's, it's sort of on par, you know. Well, none of those guys went to jail either. Right? You what know? did they pay, $500 million or See, so, so, so basically you're setting a precedent that... A company can come and market something incredibly dangerous, kill hundreds of thousands of people in the name of corporate profits for their shareholders, and then basically get away with paying a fine. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, OxyContin is not going to be a problem anymore, but what's the next thing? What's the next drug that's going to be pushed on people? You yeah, know? Because there's, there's, still no, the there's still no FDA oversight. There's still a revolving door between the government and the pharmaceutical companies. That mm-hmm. hasn't changed. The senators are still in the pockets of big pharma. So it's incumbent upon the consumer, <clears throat> like a lot of things, like alcohol, uh, like uh, cannabis now. It's incumbent upon us to be educated, to understand what we're getting into. You just, uh, if this has taught us anything over and over again, it is don't trust ads, marketing. Sometimes you ought to question your doctor, you know, because you're not, you know, always question what's going on that's really hard though right people are taught to trust their physician you know and it it creates a real problem because of that yeah um but you know you got to protect yourself you know one thing i did like about dope sick um was you know when when michael keaton's character was trying to get sober and he couldn't do it by going to aa and and uh or going to traditional rehab there was a doctor down there that was one of the first doctors that was prescribing suboxone Mm. um, or naltrexone. I forget which one. And um, they had at one scene where the the girl who was also an addict um, 
met with in the church with the AA leader in the community. And he told her that, you know, medically assisted treatment is no better than being on drugs and it's the work of the devil and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, Oh boy, you know, this, this, this feeds right into my, uh, my distrust of, of the faith healing of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and you know, she went, she, the night before she was supposed to go on Suboxone, she ended up going and, uh, ODing, you know, and that happens all the time too. She, Oh, my last time before I go, Mm -hmm. go get on this stuff. Um, one last party. Yeah. But I don't know. I think it's it's wise to keep in mind that the you know the opioid crisis wasn't something that just happened. It wasn't a hurricane, it wasn't a flood. It was uh not an accident. It was something that was it was manufactured. It was manufactured by a company looking to make an egregious profit. And And you can make the case that it created fentanyl. The the fentanyl oh, yeah. problem was basically created um by this whole o- opioid um Pande- pandemic, I want to say. It really is. I mean, an epidemic, it's a pandemic, and, uh, and this is what we have now because of it. The thing I didn't realize that I, I realized after watching these shows was that Purdue Pharma's initial response to reports that people were abusing the drug and, and, and that it was more addictive than, than it was thought to be was to immediately go and attack the people who were becoming addicted as moral um, reprobates and yeah. junkies and this kind of thing, and just dismiss dismiss them as human beings, you know, which mm. yeah, you know, disgusting. It is, and, <laughs> and you felt it when I was in the system. You yeah. felt like you were not human. Yeah, and uh, lots of people, I think, went through that. It's, it's horrible. And then they give, uh, and then when you can't afford the oxy eighties, which are you know going for a hundred dollars on the street. Uh, somebody sells you black tar heroin uh, because seems like a genius move is the Mexican cartels saw an opportunity in there to sort of fill fit a need. And then that became very popular. And, you know, then when that became too expensive and bulky to transport, uh, fentanyl became the new opiate and no poppies necessary, no farming. And so today you're still dealing with the legacy of yeah. Oxycontin addiction by the 100,000 people a year that are dying of overdoses to fentanyl. And what would Gabor Mate say? Not why the drugs, but why the pain? Mm. Why are we so in need of pain relief? Or maybe we're just convinced we are by the marketing. I don't know. Well, I mean, we live in a society where the very idea is that we shouldn't suffer any pain at all, right? Right. Like, we should anesthetize ourselves. Pain is un-American. Yeah. Well, you know, pain, if you're in pain, you start questioning why you're in pain, and you might want to actually go and do something about it, right? right? Um, Take a pill. Take a pill. Take a pill. A painkiller, if you will. Painkiller. And that is our discussion on painkiller. Okay. What do you guys think? Let's get the discussion going. Um, send an email to MikeR at MiddleAgesRecovery.com. Uh, post on the Facebook page. Um, we got a lot of uh, monsters on there. Chopping it up, discussing chop, it. Chop it up and snort it on the Facebook That's page. right. Or the Patreon. We've got an Inner Sanctum Discord group. Um, but, yeah, I would love to hear what you think. Uh, I know some of you are going to say, ugh, again with the Sacklers and the Purdue. But it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's appropriate, and uh, we thought that this um, – this limited series on Netflix, Painkiller, was a good opportunity to sort of kick it around again and uh, see where we're at. Yes. All right. You know what it's time for? 
What's it time for? Yeah, clear your throat because it's time for recovery in the Middle Ages. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is, but it's, <laughs> it's something else. It's, sorry, Bay. it's time for a recovery, recovery in the news. Recovery in the news. <laughs> yeah. All right. Recovery in the news. Recovery in the news. Recovery. <laughs> can't believe that that is the thing that we are like known for. Yeah. Well, better than nothing, I suppose. Yeah, I guess. Recovery in the news. Very important uh, recovery in the news story today. Mm. Um, comes from our local patch, uh, journalistic POB patch. Uh, uh, integrity. Uh, uh, Long Island's cocaine chihuahuas owner <laughs> drove 140 miles an hour to the vet hospital, to vet hospital says court document. Um, apparently, the 18-week-old pups were narcanned to reverse a coke overdose on May 7th. That seems like bad medicine, number uh, one, but yeah. uh, the owner pled not guilty on Monday. So uh, it comes out of central Islip, mm. right? Uh, the Long Island owner of Chihuahua puppies that somehow gobbled cocaine and fentanyl this spring told investigators that he drove... I don't know where he got it. 140 miles an hour to get them to the vet hospital. Where they were revived from overdoses with Narcan, court documents show. Um, Suffolk County of Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, Society, SPCA, responded to a local animal hospital after a toxicology report showed two Chihuahua puppies, roughly 15 weeks old, who were named Freddie and Tonto. Uh They were suffering from the symptoms of a cocaine overdose, which can be lethal. And Narcan was administered to reverse the effects I guess the patch reporters are not the... I think they had fentanyl in there, too. They did. They, they because did. all cocaine contains fentanyl, so... They were well, also severely lethargic when yes, they were brought in, right? They were crying and limp with slowed breathing, so oh. hospital staff suspected drugs. And at that time, they weren't positive, so they did a lab test, a tox report, which in fact came back positive for both cocaine and fentanyl. Uh, 18-year-old, 18-week-old Freddie tested positive for cocaine... Uh, and then Tonto, uh, the next day came in, and they had to be revived with Narcan after they presented as being severely lethargic, crying limp with slowed breathing. Wow! So uh, it's not just humans that are affected by the opioid crisis. Well, they they Our went to rehab. Well, they were put in rehab immediately after. But yeah, that's that's uh, that's ice slip. They don't know how much drugs they took or how many drugs they took. It's just an unfortunate situation that uh, you don't know how the d- animals got into those drugs, a spokesperson said. Um, the owner has refused to surrender the dogs, by the way, <laughs> which are held until the, uh, are in jail, in doggy jail, until <laughs> disposition of the case. They're, they have drug court coming up. <laughs> the owner pled not guilty to two counts of animal cruelty uh, misdemeanor at his arraignment Monday in First District Court in Central Islip. He was previously charged with second-degree menacing with a weapon, Mm. uh, and he entered a plea of not guilty, and an order of protection was issued. uh, To the dogs? Against the... Like, he probably threatened a human with a gun. He Okay. Okay. This is a stable individual. So the order of protection was not issued between him and the dogs. I don't think you can do that, actually. His attorney, uh, Matt Tohey of Huntington, could not be re- reached for comment. Um, 
He previously told Patch that Ziomba, who's the owner's name, maintains his innocent, and he is not... He is not the means for the dogs ingesting the drugs. Well, what is his explanation for how two puppies found all of this cocaine? <laughs> like, what's maybe, what's the excuse? Maybe they were holding it for a friend. Yeah, it wasn't mine. <laughs> um, you know, we laugh, but that's very sad. You know, dogs are innocent, and uh, but what the fuck? Right, recovering the news is taking a serious deep. Oh line. yeah, it has. Recovery. I had another one, but I think I think we'll save it for next week. Um, the next, the, the one I'm saving for next week was that new gene therapy dramatically reduces booze consumption in alcoholic monkeys. So we're continuing with the. Yeah, theme. I mean, we're we're trying to combine week and weird with the recovery in the news, but <laughs> is that um, what we're doing? It sort of sounds like. okay. Um, but have no fear, week and weird will reappear. Oh, is it appearing today or no? I'm sorry. No. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. So I guess that's it. Yeah. That about does it for today. I know I had a great time. Did you? I had a really good time. It's great to be back. Great to be back. Um, thank you so much for listening. Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitter or X. So, <laughs> tweet us to twat, you twit, support your favorite show, give us a five-star review, join our private Facebook group, um, or simply write and say hello. We love meeting new monsters and chopping it up on the discussion groups. If you want a higher level of going back and forth and, what is that called, talking, uh, <laughs> go to... <laughs> We've done enough of that today. Yes, patreon.com slash recovery in the middle ages and join our discord inner sanctum and finally the best way to help the show is to share it with a friend please share it with a friend if you get something out of our little show please share the love and grow the rma movement and as we say non proficiat perfectum progress not perfection see you next time and stay fresh cheese bags we're back bitches Think that-